0: In this episode, I'll be exploring new research, which reconsiders what is happening to plastic waste in marine and sedimentary environments. Sunken in the sediment, smudged relics protrude. Translucent waste that shimmers in its bed of filth. A menagerie of treasures that mark our spot in throwaway tracks. Cigarette butts, food wrappers, beverage bottles, bottle caps, grocery bags, straws, stirrers, lids and takeaways. These are our strata. Remnants of human sewage draped across the floor a smear for future selves to measure ticking time against artificial fault lines and disposable lives. This poem is inspired by research published in Geology, which has provided a geological perspective on the global problem of plastic pollution. Environmental and health concerns associated with plastic pollution are a long recognized international problem, making up to 80% of all waste that accumulates in the oceans and on the seabed. The sources of such plastics range from commercial ships, vessels, and fishing operations, through to street litter, packaging, and production waste. As these plastics degrade, they can leach out toxic substances, thereby poisoning the marine environment. Furthermore, micro-sized, between one micrometer and one millimeter in diameter, and nano-sized, smaller than one micrometer in diameter, plastic particles are increasingly being consumed by marine life that confuse them with food sources. Despite the damage that they can cause, studies of chemical and biological plastic degradation in deep seafloor sediments are sparse. This study highlights the need for further work in this area, observing that if some plastics can survive for more than 1,000 years on land, then they could potentially last for even longer periods of time in ocean trenches that are many kilometers beneath the surface and which exist in dark, cold, and high pressure environments. Similarly, it is unclear how long it takes larger plastics to break down into micro-sized and nano-sized plastics in the deep sea and what the exact impacts of this are on marine life. The study also highlights that it is not practical to simply extract the existing plastics from the seafloor as to do so could be more damaging than to leave them in place and would potentially be on a par with the marine devastation caused by deep-sea mining. The study concludes that geologists need to work closely with scientists from other disciplines, e.g. oceanographers, biologists, and chemists, to better understand exactly what will happen to the plastics that are already in our oceans, thereby hopefully putting further pressure on policymakers and legislators to put an end to plastic pollution. Now that you've heard the science, let me read the poem to you again. Sunken in the sediment, smudged relics protrude Translucent waste that shimmers in its bed of filth A menagerie of treasures that mark our spot in throwaway tracks Cigarette butts, food wrappers, beverage bottles, bottle caps, grocery bags, straws, stirrers, lids and takeaways These are our strata Remnants of human sewage draped across the floor A smear for future selves to measure ticking time against artificial fault lines and disposable lives. In this section of the podcast, I'd like to share a poem written by another poet, on a topic related to the science that has been discussed so far. In this episode, I'll be reading Deep Sea by Axton Clark. Axton Clark was the pseudonym of Donald Clark, an assistant professor of philosophy at Harvard University, who was expelled from his post during the notorious Secret Court of 1920, an ad hoc disciplinary tribunal of five administrators at Harvard University formed to investigate charges of homosexual activity among the student population. This secret court, which stored its files under such a moniker in the university's archives, found Clark guilty of being a homosexual, forcing him to withdraw from the PhD programme and not reappointing him to his teaching position. After he was forced to withdraw from Harvard, Clark headed to the University of California's Mill College campus, where he taught for several years, helping the David Mann School create a new Department of Cultural Studies. In 1933, he published a book of poetry, The Single Glow, under the name Axton Clark. He also composed music and published a translation of the letters of Christopher Columbus from Italian. He later moved to Denver, Colorado, where he was the librarian at the National Jewish Hospital before dying of tuberculosis in 1947 at the age of 43. Fluent in Italian, German and French, Clark had also served during World War I as a special agent in the US Department of Justice prior to his appointment at Harvard. Deep Sea by Axton Clark Like liquid agate rests the bottom of the sea. Like caves pressed down by the unending hammer stroke of waves struck green with sun. And deepest creatures here are bubbles left as moving coils in agate. And dark as ribbons cut in light or fork electric eyes. Waving them brightly tentacled like drowning stars writhing in last extinction of their glow. In some such agate. Slipping studded green, our thoughts are deepest. Winnowing like strange fish, the wheaty grains of light self-lighted from the husks of dark. Thank you for listening to The Poetry of Science.